Recently, I have led some baptism classes. One of the topics that I prepared for the baptism class is, who is God? In that class, I explain about the Holy Trinity, one of the Christian doctrines that tells us who God is. There is one God, but in three persons. And then I go over each person of the Holy Trinity with the candidates for baptism and the parents of candidates for infant baptism. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I was always fascinated about the fact that Jesus, who is God and also is a fully human. And that he went through everything that we have to do as a human. In the scripture, we hear his birth story, and we hear his youth story, and we hear his friend's story, and we hear his ministry story, and we hear his crucifixion story, and we hear his death story. As a human, we admit that no one can escape from birth to death. No one can escape from being sick either. Interesting enough, Jesus, who is God, and also who can, if he's willing, escape from all those things, but he chose not to. He chose not to be excluded from anything that we share as humans. Barbara Brown Taylor, a professor of, of philosophy and religion and a Piment College in Georgia says that Christianity is the only religion that confesses a God who suffers. A God who bears shame. Have we ever wondered why our God Jesus Christ had to suffer and die on the cross. Today, we are going to wrestle with this question and ponder why Jesus had to take the bitter cup to become the saving cup. Today's gospel lesson gives us a hint of why Jesus had to suffer and die on the cross. The first lesson from John tells us that Jesus was sent to the world because God loved us. Here we encounter one of the most loved and recited Bible verses of all time, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. I'm sure many of you have memorized this verse and keep it dear to your heart. It truly is a beautiful verse conveying the very heart of the Christian faith. 
in the next verse, it says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Based on these two verses, we can figure out two things about us. Firstly, this verse tells us that one of our human conditions is, is that we are perishable. We will all die at some point. But actually, in this passage, John talks about more than just physical death. He indicates eternal destruction. It means that we as a human cannot save ourselves from our sins because we are broken ones. Secondly, this verse tells us that we need God's help. We need God's grace to be saved because we are broken ones who cannot save ourselves from our sins. The scripture from John 3 says, Jesus was sent to the world to save us because God loved us. Let me read this sentence again. Because God loved us. Again, Almighty God, the awesome God who doesn't need suffering or pain, had to come down on earth in a human form in order to save us from our sins because God loved us. God knows who we are. The one who can be easily broken. God knows who we are very, mu very much from the beginning. If you go back to the first book of, of the scripture, the Genesis, we read the creation story. In this story, we heard the story that when God saw Adam felt lonely, God thought that it was not good for human to be alone. So God created a partner, Eve, for Adam. But what happened after that? They got a temptation by the serpent, and then they disobeyed God's command. You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then they ate it. They shared the fruit together. And then they found shame in being naked. And then they began to blame one each other. This creation story tells us that we are the broken ones from the beginning of our human story. But that was not what God wanted us to be. And that doesn't that God didn't want us to remain forever as broken ones because our God loves us. 
So he made his own plan to save us. That's why God sent his only son, Jesus, to the world to save us and to save us from sins. What a beautiful salvation story it is. But let me tell you, this is not just a beautiful salvation story, but it is an ugly and painful salvation story as well. On the night when Jesus was arrested by the Roman soldiers, Jesus went up to the mountain of olives with his disciples to pray. And he prayed to God, the Father, if you are willing, please remove this call from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus clearly knew that the call that he was about to take to save the people and to save the world wouldn't be easy for him. Thus, verse 44 says, in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. What kind of cup was, cup was it that Jesus would ask God to remove it from him? We all know the answer, but let's go back to the scripture. New Testament scholar Jehi Park points that John chapter 3, verse 16 is often misunderstood by its readers because of the translation of the word so. Let me read the scripture again. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son. Here so is a translation of the Greek word hutus which actually means in this way or in this manner. But in most English, English translation, including the new revised standard version that we use, translated hutus as so. Because, because of this unclear translation, the verse sounds like because God loved the world so much, God gave his only son. But Dr. Park says that reading is not accurate. This sentence should be understood this way. For in this way, God loved the world that God gave his only son. Then you might wonder, what way is the way that God loves the world? The answer is in the previous verses. Let me read the uh, scripture for you. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is Revelations of Numbers, chapter 21, verse, nine to, uh, verse 4 to 9. God sends poisonous serpent to punish the people of Israel who complained to God in the wilderness. As they repent, 
God commands Moses to make a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and lifted it. So anyone who's beaten can look at it and can be healed. But in Jesus' case, that is not it. In John's gospel, this verb, be lifted up, is always used in place of be crucified. So Christ being lifted up signifies him being crucified on the cross. Then verse 14 and 15 can be interpreted as Jesus will be crucified and that everyone who believes in this crucified Jesus will have eternal life. It is this Jesus, this crucified Jesus, that reveals the way God loves the world. So the message of John chapter 3, verse 14 to 16 is this. Jesus, who died for us and came over the power of death, is the way that God loved us. To put it more concisely, God loves us in the way of the cross. Reflecting on the passage from John this week, I thought about the way that God loved us. I think it would be much easier for God, who is certainly capable of everything, just to give us everything that we ask for. However, our God chose the way of more difficult love by giving us the only son who came to the world to be lifted up. The world religion scholar Barbara Brown Taylor says, quote, at any point along the way, Jesus could have avoided the cross literally. He had the power to do so, but he didn't. Because through the cross, Jesus wanted, wanted to teach us who God is. That God is not from a distance, but right close up and be with us all the time. And God knows our pain and suffering through his firsthand experience. And God wants to redeem it by going through it with us. Quote. Brothers and sisters, this is the way God loves us. This is why Jesus prayed to God, yet not my will, but yours be done in order to save us, in order to save this broken world. Here is a question for all of you. Is our faith mature enough to respond to this greater love of God? 
It is true that for the last couple of years, we have, we have had many moments when we questioned God's love towards us. And for the world, moments and when we thought, God does not love us. Every day, these days, we hear the breaking news from Ukraine. And people are, so many people are dying and fleeing and how terrible the situation is. And we've seen hatred and violence that perpetuate and intensify all possible kinds of bigotry. And we've seen the deep divides that hurt this nation more and more. Most of all, we have seen an unknown kind of distress and despair that this pandemic has brought us. How do we know that God still loves us in the midst of such pain and injustice? The scripture says, in Jesus Christ, the way of cross where God's love for us is comfortably revealed. This is why God's way of loving is not a quick fix. Yet, through Jesus, God's love is unwavering in the way that he saves a rich like me and you. Through Jesus, God's love is enduring in the way that he empowers us to carry on and bring it to an end. Through Jesus, God's love is everlasting in the way that He encourages us to pray no matter what. So church, in our journey of faith, let us be assured of this unwavering, enduring, and everlasting love of God, not only in our rejoicing, but also in our struggling, in our laughter, and also in our sorrows. Let us pray. Jesus, our Redeemer and our Savior, we thank you for your great love that you have showed through the cross. We thank you that you chose not to, be, uh, not to avoid the bitter cup in order to become the saving cup for all of us. We thank you for your willingness to share our brokenness through your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we won't perish but have eternal life. Lord, every day reminds us that we are the ones who can be easily broken by this world. We cannot save ourselves by our own, so we need your help. We need your grace. Lord, continue to pour out your grace on us so that we can keep our eyes on you, the saving cup, and we can have the eternal life. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.